Hey, this is Kevin O'Connor. On today's episode of The Mismatch, Chris Vernon and I talked about a lot. This was a really, really good show. We opened up talking about LeBron James saying that he's not feeling great about the idea of an all-star game, his MVP chances after a huge win on Thursday night over the Nuggets. We also talked about the Dallas Mavericks and whether it's time to hit the panic button on them, as well as some players that we think deserve some attention and some shine. All that coming up next. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile and expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app. One password, Prime Video, find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me, he does every Friday from TheRinger.com, is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Cannabis, Kevin O'Candyland, <laughs> Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Murdo! It's Friday! What up? It is Friday, and we started the day off this morning with a little controversy. Dave McMiniman from ESPN had a report from last night after the Lakers, uh, which was a very very impressive win over the Denver Nuggets. LeBron James spoke about the recently scheduled all-star game, and he is not enthused. Uh, quote, <laughs> I have zero energy and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. I don't even understand why we're having an all-star game. Uh, short off season for myself and my teammates, 71 days. And then coming into the season, we were told that we're not having an all-star game. So we'd have a nice little break five days from the 10th, uh, 5th through the 10th of March, uh, an opportunity for me to kind of recalibrate for the second half of the season, my teammates as well, some of the guys in the league, and then they throw an all-star game on us and it just breaks that all the way up. So, um, pretty much kind of a slap in the face. Wow. Mm. I mean, it's not like we talked about. Mm. Not not what Adam Silver needed this morning, right? No, not at all. I'm sure he's not happy. It's like we talked about earlier in the week when those reports started trickling out about the potential of an all-star game, increasingly certain that it would happen. I don't know, man. I, I'm still not sure this is the, the right thing to do. I know it's not the right thing to do. It's just not worth the risk. Ultimately, it's another 
choice about, you know, fulfilling the TV contract and being able to earn all that. And I just don't think it's worth it. You're bringing the best players from all 30 teams to one place, one city right now that is open in Atlanta. Um, it just doesn't seem worth it, Chris. And I, I think we're going to find and Bede expressed also last night that he's iffy about doing it. You know, there's been all other players that have been, you know, uh, reluctant to want to do something like that. It wouldn't shock me one bit, Chris, if we got players that end up pulling their name out from that all-star game to get that rest and just not go because there's already so much sacrifice happening for the good of their own teams. Why do that for an exhibition during a pandemic? Well, I think the big part of all of this is that their expectation was we will have this break. There's a lot of games in a shortened amount of time. And so I don't think if it was already at the very beginning, if everybody kind of understood and we're having an all-star game, but that was something to look forward to for these guys. It was something to look forward to that they were going to have this break in the middle of this. And I'm sure a lot of them probably scheduled stuff to be able to get away or made some plans to be able to get away. And so this has all kind of been thrown together recently. And so it's, it's more to me. It's not about if it would have already been scheduled and everybody was under the understanding that this was going to be happening, it would be a different deal than you throwing it on them now. But when that, when you set your expectation that we're not going to do this and it's a tough position, Kev, because like the NBA, in order to make their argument, it's one thing for De'Aaron Fox to say it's stupid. De'Aaron Fox signed a $180 million contract. It's one thing for LeBron James to say it's stupid. Yeah. He's Big got difference. he's a made man. He doesn't, you know, it, it he doesn't need the money. Um, and it doesn't impact him. There are guys that have this stuff like as incentives in their contracts. That's number one. Number two, though, and more importantly, the only way for the NBA to make the argument that people And there would still be people that say, oh, well, you're just being, you know, a slave to the mighty dollar would be to outline it and say, this is the financial impact. And Mm -hmm. this is why we desperately need this to happen. It's it. it, Yes. In the end, uh, LeBron James is going to be paid hundreds of millions of dollars. De'Aaron Fox, even, you know, he got his he got his money. Um, and he, his contract, those guys, those guys are set, but it is for, for the well being of the league, all these other guys that are maybe year to year and keeping their job in the league and whatever else that they're the one, the fine, they're the ones that the finances of the league affect the most. And the only way to make a persuasive argument would be to truly outline here is the financial impact of us doing this and here's how here's why it is good for our league and the majority of our league because you know that's what the that's why Michelle Roberts and you know me like that's why they're down with it in the first place nobody's nobody's trashing Michelle Roberts because there's an all-star weekend because she's privy to the information Right. And it's not like they're going to release that to the general public. But the truth is, the financial impact must be so great that oh, they're, they're willing gonna, they're to take on this it, risk. They can leak it. They yeah, can, le- they can leak it. You know, we, di- we did learn and understand the reason to finish the season last year. Right. Yep. And I think 
a lot of people who may have been iffy about it understood why. You know, you had players. I remember Ed Davis came out and defended why they were playing and why it was important to, as did many, many, many other players last year before the bubble actually got going. Um, so, you know, I think that clarity and that openness and honesty about it would be more well-received than anything else. Maybe and, so. And, and, well, yeah, it's also, so. Kev, to your point, that's why we started at Christmas. Mm. Right? Yep. I mean, they didn't want to have that quick of a turnaround. So they didn't want to have the, they didn't want to, some people didn't want to finish the season. Some people didn't want to start the season in December. And obviously you're now getting some people out there saying, hey, we don't want to have an all-star game. And I understand the player safety angle of it. I think it's more that these guys wanted and look forward to being able to have a break. Right. And in the absence of the NBA explaining to everyone, yo, here's here's the financial impact of us doing this. This is why we are doing this. We're not doing it just to have uh, and and there are going to be people out there like, oh, yeah, well, you'll just do anything for money. You'll put people at risk. You'll do this, whatever. Yeah, but of people need to see the numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like understand that. The reason that this is they want to throw this together is because a league that has been financially suffering, you know, as have many leagues, is trying to find a way to make things right. Because here's the thing, Kev, in the NBA, it is not like every other business. The players share in the revenue. So this money is greatly impactful for the league as a whole. And it's not like, oh yeah, the league wants to put this on. They get all the money. I have to lose my vacation. Like whatever they make off of this all-star weekend, the players are going to benefit from that also. Sure. You know? Yeah, no doubt and about so it. I, I, I mean, know. ultimately, I mean, you kind of hit it right there. It's, you know, I'm not sure how to say it exactly, but like to harken back to our conversation either earlier this week or last week, I, you know, I mentioned I picked up pizza at a place and like nobody had masks on inside and right. so, someone messaged me saying like, you know, KOC, like I, I love the show and all that, but you got to understand that, you know, people have to work jobs and put food on the table. And I'm like, I know I do. I do totally understand that. Like you can't lock down everything. The government is not sending checks to everybody every month like many other governments are. Totally understand. Ultimately, you know, there are benefits to playing the game. You're going to have arena workers there that are going to be able to get a paycheck another night, which could be the difference between getting a meal or not, right? There are benefits to doing it and holding the game on a real level for people that need that money and need that check. There are benefits. Ultimately, just from the NBA perspective, from the NBA's perspective here, it do the pros outweigh the cons for the players for the rest of the season, for the health and safety of the players, not only with, you know, the risk of getting coronavirus, but the risk of the fact that you don't have those five days off during a, se a truncated season where there are a lot of games packed in, you know, near each other, especially in the second half. We might see that depending on what the scheduling looks like where you could get a, an injury. You know, we saw Remember last year, Kemba Walker. He was not the same after his like 35 minute, 40 minute all-star game. So, you know, do the pros outweigh the cons? Probably not. Probably not. Um, would you still watch the game if it's on? A hundred percent. Yeah, me too. Does that make us hypocrites? <laughs> no, it doesn't make us hypocrites. I, I, I don't think it's either. It doesn't. I mean, uh, look again. I would have to know, and I guess we're going to find out because yeah. if it's not 
a great, if it's not super significant, if the amount of money is not worth this PR, well, your best player in the league coming out and saying it's an agreement that the Players Association and the league came about, it's out of my hands, I'll be there if I'm selected, I'll be there physically, but not mentally. In other like, words, he's saying he's not going to bust his butt like he did in last year's All-Star game, that great right. game. In other words, we're not going to get one of those. It's going to be an All-Star game with open dunks and not a lot of defense. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is this, like it's in Atlanta. Which is a more open city than yeah. most of the cities around the country, and so wh- what? What do you expect? Right? Like, I mean, really, are you going to send all these guys to Atlanta, and then you're <laughs> going to? And the expectation is, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like years ago. I thought it was funny. I had this. I had this. Are agent. you saying to send them to Utah or something? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, maybe so. I no disrespect to uh, Utah. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's interesting because years ago I had this guy that was a, uh, he was a player agent in the league and he was, and and this is never really taken where you've had a lot of teams that have ever like not wanted. In fact, it's grown bigger in Las Vegas, right? For the, for the summer league to be there. But this is probably 10 years ago. And the guy said to me, he goes, these kids, he goes, I get them, you know what I mean? They signed with our organization, that our, our company out of college. And he's like, and then they get drafted. And then they, we put, you know, a million dollars in their pocket. And the first thing we do is send them to Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, what sense so does this make? He's like, because he, he, and he said, and he told me this horror story of a player that years ago, he was like, he, he blew his whole first check. Oh my like the gosh. Whole, he's like, I was having to advance him money, like right off the bat. And he's, and obviously they have done such, they've done a much better job about education and everything else oh, yeah. since then. And it hasn't been a catastrophe, <laughs> but it is funny. And it's, it's like, so if, if something bad comes out of, yeah. if we find like, if there's a TMZ, like, Oh, these five guys were at magic city last <laughs> night. Like, is anybody, Oh uh, man, like, what do you, I don't know. You know, at Las Vegas Summer League, I have yet to gamble a dollar. Is that true? Vegas, that's, that's 100% true. I've yet Look to gamble you. a dollar in Vegas. <laughs> Look at you. I think next time around, I'll play some like of the futures bets in Vegas or something like that. Um, I wish but, that, yeah, hey, I wish, I, I wish, uh, and this is why we are the mismatch. I wish that were true of me. <laughs> I still get, <laughs> do you remember the first time we ever met in person was at the win in oh, Las yeah. Vegas. Yeah. This is probably four <laughs> years ago. And to this day, I still, I haven't stayed at the win. I don't think since then. I still get emails offering me free nights, comps, everything. Man. That week was a debacle. <laughs> like yeah. I think they think I'm a high roller just yeah. because of how badly that well, was. That was like my first time at summer league, and I went absolutely <laughs> off the charts. And 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 I remember they sent this letter to my house, and it was like, Mr. Vernon. Uh, this is probably six months after summer league. They're like, Mr. Vernon. Um, uh, we would like to offer you three complimentary nights and $500 in free play and something, something. And I was like, 
Wow. Bro, I said, how much did I lose? <laughs> I, like, I, I was like going back and looking at my well, bank account and I was like, oh my God. Is that the year you had the, uh, like the 100th floor in the, in yes. the winter? <laughs> that was you crazy. The greatest view. I can't that, believe that the Grizzlies. Was, that, that was supposed to go to like Mike Conley. <laughs> I know. Oh, I, the first night, the first night that I was there, I, um, it's like two in the morning and yeah. I'm like, uh, and I'm, and I'm trying to go to bed and oh, is this the concert. I think you've told me this. Yeah. Before. And it was yeah. like, I want something just like this. And I was like, geez, man. I was like, they were playing that chain smokers a little too loud for two in the morning, whatever. And I looked out my window. It was the freaking chain smoker. Like it was really them playing downstairs. And I'm like, where am I? What is happening? Yeah. That was all. Vegas that was all is, a blur. Vegas was <laughs> something else. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I can't wait to go back. Like, I think for any fan, for any fan listening to this show, if you're able to go to summer league. Oh, Vegas. it's amazing. I, I think it is such a fun time to just hang with friends yep. and just have a good time watching carefree, you know, exhibition basketball. You're high off the draft and you're excited to watch your, your, your favorite young player that your team just drafted, or you're worried about the guy that your team just drafted right. and you're scared at the game. It is such a fun environment. Just it walking is. around Vegas and nights at Vegas, Chris, like it's hot during the day, July, even though we'll see with the season schedule when it happens in the future, but nights at Vegas, when the sun's down, it's so nice walking around. I love it. It's so freaking fun. I can't wait to see you again there, Chris. Yep. It's going to be uh, great. Hopefully, uh, so uh, back to the LeBron thing. I wonder yeah. if Adam Silver is going to acknowledge this. Because this is kind of like the first time. Yeah. LeBron is such a uh, powerful entity in the world of sports that, you know, when De'Aaron Fox says it's stupid for us to have an all-star game, that path at 12 hours. I mean, there's people listening to this right now that don't even know De'Aaron Fox said that. Yeah. It will be everywhere. 100%. Now, LeBron James said uh, that. I'm, yeah, I'm it sure, is. Uh, it I'm is. sure like on first take, they're talking about it. And, you know, first things Absolutely. first and all these shows, you know, they're talking yes. about it. So that is the one guy. I mean, Adam Silver has to be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Because now <laughs> it's a thing. LeBron has the power to say, Hey, if LeBron came out last night and say, "Look, I wish I had a, I, I wish I had a vacation like everybody else," um, I was really looking forward to that. We had a short season, but like this season is unlike any other season, and we all have to make sacrifices. And so, I'll be there just like I am every year. And it's not it's not ideal, but nothing about this last year has been ideal. It goes away and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, let's have an all-star game. Or he could go the opposite way, which he did on this. Mm -hmm. And you see that now everybody's going to be debating it. There will be think pieces about the dangers involved with it. Like he's, he's that guy. Like yeah. what he says goes. And so, and you're also going to have a lot of players fall in line behind that and be like, this is stupid. I don't want to be here. And if he walks into that locker room and everybody knows he's checked out, he don't want to be there in the first place. Like, I don't know. It's just like, he really, he, this is the, one of the first times that he's really like wielded that, that power, you know? Mm -hmm. well, we're about to see what yeah. that power, how that power impacts change. We are. Um, 
speaking of LeBron James and that team, he was unbelievable last night. Oh my goodness! And that you know that looked like uh, you know you always look ahead, and it was the Western Conference Finals last year. You feel like Denver is going to be a real playoff team uh, at the end of this year if everybody stays healthy and, and a so, potential MVP in Jokic too. Yeah, and you've got two. G- Fantastic teams playing against each other last night, and Denver really looked like they were there for it in the first half. And then the second half came, and that Lakers team buckled down. And I tell you this, Kev, when they want to get stops, they get stops. Dude. End of story. They are devastating defensively when they really lock in. They they are something else, man. They are something else. What does it say? Like, I don't want to get into MVP debate when we're like a third into the season, but does it say something that in the past week LeBron has outplayed Jokic and Embiid and they're both matchups? Granted, they lost by a point to the Sixers last week. Right. Beat, you know, throttling the Nuggets last night. You know, I I understand, you know, LeBron's probably not going to win MVP, but I feel like that well, might I think say he's, something. I think he's overwhelming favorite right now. Interest. So, so I mean, I find it fascinating because you know when I read NBA Twitter and what others are writing and like these MVP ladder rankings and all that, a lot of people put Jokic in a beat at the top, and you're saying that LeBron should be the favorite for most valuable player. I, I think, especially after last season, he made everybody feel stupid for not voting for him. As we talked about recently, that that, that was that a thing will play, that will play a factor. You're saying he said after the season. I don't really know what we're looking at. I don't know. Remember he? Yeah. He well, obviously, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Chris. A couple of weeks ago, I kind of pushed back saying, eh, probably being beat or Jokic. And we'll see. I mean, it's still a long way to go, but I'd put LeBron up top on my personal ballot right now. Like if I were voting today, I'd put LeBron at number one. I think the, the tone that he sets defensively, like put away the numbers. We know the numbers. We know LeBron does every night, 27, seven and seven. That's what his career averages. We know that, but the tone he sets defensively at hit it is his age and year 18 coming off the shortest off season ever is truly remarkable to witness. It really is. Chris. like when your best player sets that tone, it trickles down to the entire team and inspires everybody. And we see that roster with a bunch of guys that play with that mindset. Did you see that play Dennis Schroeder made last night diving on the floor twice? That was insane. I mean, like effort plays like that happening in a, in an early February game. It, I mean, it, it, it happens time and time again with that team. When they lock in defensively, there's nobody better on that end of the floor. Well, and we talked about the last dance and you know, we kind of, we opined that that may have uh, that may have had an effect on LeBron really putting pedal to the metal throughout this season. Um, and I also think that oddly he was able to get a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because of the Giannis stuff last year. And he uh, he said after the season, I don't know, you know, what the criteria are. I remember him <laughs> saying that, right? Yeah, but yeah. you think about this. I think that also that kind of stuff and more people being aware of the history of everything can have a profound effect because much like the Jordan thing, LeBron did not get awarded that. He went on, he led a team to victory in the NBA finals. He won another title. He's the one there at the end holding that trophy. And there's people saying he's still the best player in Mm. our league. And so they think about 
this through a historical context more so because there is the, we saw Carl Malone win an MVP and then he gets vanquished and Charles Barkley wins an MVP and then he gets vanquished. And we, we saw that happen with Jordan. I mean, LeBron has, he's only won that award four times. You talk at 17 wow. years of greatness. And the last time he won it was 13. He won it in 2009. Mm. He won it in 2010. He won it in 12 and he won it in 13. I mean, that's eight years ago. It was the last time LeBron James was named MVP of the league. <laughs> and I think there is, I think that's part of it, that that's just human nature for there to uh, be an attempt to make some kind of course correction. Sure. You know what? I've had, I've had execs and including two general managers from rival teams, teams like LeBron has, you know, had good battles with during the regular season or playoffs within the past. Tell me that they think LeBron should have like 10 MVPs. Like that, that like, I'm serious. Like right. that they, they don't get the media always trying to find somebody else. And I've told this story before, but the year Harden won MVP, I had a GM on the phone. Tell me he's like, you know, I get the numbers. I get the offensive impact. I get everything Harden does. He said, but what media and fans don't consider enough when it comes to the term MVP, most valuable player, is how does this player impact his team in terms of chemistry, in terms of leadership, in terms of example? And he went into this long, you know, rant about how LeBron is better than anybody at that and how not only his accomplishments on the floor are enough to put him in the conversation for MVP, but everything else he does for that team elevates him to an even higher level. And he also mentioned like, you know, in the regular season, he's also not always going full throttle because he knows he's going until June, you know, <laughs> to a finals. Right, that's right. And you know what, man, it's amazing. Like if, if you had executives vote, I would be willing to bet that LeBron would have more than four MVPs if execs voted. Cause I, I and one reason why is because I think they have felt the pain of what he takes from you more than anybody else when they're on the other side of that, because he just takes it every year, year in, year out. He just takes what you're hoping to win and achieve away. And they feel that and they see that and they know that and they experience it. And ultimately, you could be right, Chris. This could be the year of course correction where LeBron is awarded an MVP in year 18, which right. is remarkable. And by the way, like... Because that becomes a great story too, right? A guy yeah, winning yeah. an MVP 18 years into his career is... That's like... that's crazy it's insanity it really it really is remarkable I mean, <laughs> we, we, I mean like i know like on today's show we're going to talk about some guys that we feel like aren't talked about enough but like in many ways like with lebron i know we talk about him enough but don't take what's happening for ah, granted. Just don't. Right. Uh, here we <laughs> you go. You, you can't, the man. Old you, you can't. By the way, like a quick, a quick aside note here. I saw on uh, Twitter this morning. Today is the anniversary of the Patriots coming back from down twenty-eight to three. Is that right? 28 to three happened. Like this whole week has been a string of like on this day, the Patriots lost Super Bowl 42, David Tyree catch on this day, yeah. you know, and they lost to the Eagles on this day. They won this Super Bowl. Like it's all been a string of memories. And um, like I was just thinking this morning about when the Patriots were down 28 to three, that game, I remember my dad and I turning to each other and we're scared, but we both felt this isn't over. This isn't over. Cause we have Tom Brady and that level of belief that you have in a guy when you've seen him author so many magical moments. Since I was 11 years old, Chris, I was 11, 11 years old when Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. 
And now that I'm 30, I was 26 when that one happened. You know, that level of, of belief you ha- can have in a player is remarkable. And the fact they're still going is not something to take for granted at all. And the well, fact we have LeBron and Tom Brady yep. both competing at this level, at this stage of their careers, this is something that when we're all old and gray, we're going to look back on and think, oh my goodness, how lucky were we to experience that greatness in sports together with the people we care about, with the people, you know, we root even whatever, whether you root against the person or root for them. I mean, it's special, man. The fact that these guys are still going, it's awesome. It truly is awesome that this is happening. I don't use that word lightly. This is awesome. Well, the, I, I suppose that the only one that wasn't paying close attention to the whole, cause I, you know, I think you guys were super fans of Brady, but there were still <laughs> people that he always, when, when you've, when when the other team had him, you knew that they had a chance, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, I suppose the only one that didn't watch that was like Matt Lafleur, yeah. um, head coach <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers, because yeah. I when he punted away to him with a uh, two ten left, or he kicked away to him with two ten left. I, I I remember saying to my buddy, I said, "This is the equivalent of I'm down by one." Uh, against Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and I go and I'm going to take the last shot, and I go and I take the last shot, but I take it with 10 seconds left, and now I'm giving the ball back to him, and it's like, uh, what what do you expect, bro? What do you think? It's been 20 years of this. Like, are you expecting to win now? Why are you giving him the ball? (laughs) You know, because to go get a first down. He's getting the first down. That's what's happening. That was an unforgivable mistake. (laughs) Unforgivable. Unforgivable. What do you expect? <laughs> yeah. What do I, you I, expect? Like, really? I, I don't know. That's, a, that's know, the man. equivalent to me is like you gave Michael Jordan the ball with 10 seconds left to go. What do you expect? You deserve to lose, bro. You deserve it. Unforgivable. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app, and they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. 
I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Anyways, all right. So that takes place. I said, and to your point, I, I want I want to pivot off of the LeBron thing and the whole leadership thing that the executive told you about because that is one of the things that we are seeing young players throughout the league go to. Part of becoming outstanding players quickly is that franchises now like they turn the keys over to you. And some guys are prepared for that and some guys aren't. But you talk about how guys, you know, they follow LeBron's lead on these teams. And we're seeing that happen with some of these young players that were anointed so quickly. And one of them is Luka. You know, we're seeing that. um, That they have turned the keys over to Luka and it's like, follow my lead. And some guys are not cut out for the whole, you know, they're they're not the guy with the sword at the at the at the front of the of, of the group saying follow me, you know. Um, and some guys are, yeah, you know. And I do think that that is one of those where the credit to LeBron is that so many of the guys take on that that personality, right, or that swag or whatever you want to call it. And I think you're seeing a lot of young guys throughout the league go through it where it's you know, you're really learning on the fly how to be the guy, right? Mm. And I saw, I, I even saw it last night with a frustrated John Morant. When he is mad at the refs and he's going to the basket and he's not getting some calls and he's frustrated and he, the team takes on his personality. They just do. When he's flying around and he's knocking down shots and he's got the swag going, then the team, it like, it lifts all tides. Um, And you're seeing it with Luka too. And they just got ran out last night against Golden State. I mean, giving up almost 150 in regulation is truly incredible. I'm officially pressing the panic button. You are. With the Dallas Mavericks, especially because of Chris Stapps porzing is he is not the same player defensively, Chris. He's just not the same player defensively. And if he's not, his impact is completely minimized overall when he's not hitting threes at the same level. He's not a knockdown guy. 35, 36% from three is great, you know, for a guy his size, though. When he's not hitting threes, when he's not being an enforcer around the rim, that team cannot be what it needs to be. And right now, I mean, I look at that roster and I feel better with Maxi Kleba out there. That I do with Chris Tapps Porzing is different. It changes the style of the team, but he's a better shooter. He's a better defender, more versatile, more switchable, hustles more. KP does not look the same. And like, you got to be a little bit forgiving. He's coming back from a meniscus surgery. That's right. During the offseason, he's working his way back. But guess what? That's part of the source of the concern is durability and health. His ability to stay at 100% and stay on the court. That was the concern prior to the draft. That was the concern with the New York Knicks. That's one of the key reasons why Phil Jackson traded him in addition to him wanting out. Him wanting out pushed the, the his way out the door, but Phil Jackson and the Knicks front office 
wasn't against it. They had concerns long-term about him. Dallas took the risk, a fair risk to take to add a player of his caliber with his talent. And we saw last year, 27 points per game, 11 rebounds, two blocks, dominant force over the last 20, 25 games of the season into the playoffs before he got hurt again. His 13th time having an injury to his lower body in his short NBA career. He's missed an entire season. He's seven foot three and the history of seven foot three players or taller in the NBA is not very promising for their health. And so for the Dallas Mavericks, they have to now seriously, seriously evaluate how do we maximize this roster around Luca. So he's not pissed off all the time. So this isn't happening. Cause like you can point to Luca's, you know, frustrations and you know, he's got to be better to, on defense himself. Luca's had some really poor possessions on the defensive end of the floor that are really tough to watch. But what's more infuriating is the fact that Kristaps Porzingis, the guy you're paying $30 million and traded two first-round draft picks for, is a shell of his former self. What's more infuriating is the fact that your team is last in three-point percentage. That is annoying. The I, I tell you this, kid, the, 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 the Mavericks fans on my timeline, they are done with him. Done. With KP. I know. Oh. They are. I don't they know if you, you, can't, you can't get anything for him. No. You can't get value. You know what I mean? Nope. Like you need him to work his way back into being good. Try to, you know, that his value is on life support. You, you know, and, and maybe he can resuscitate some to where, you know, somebody out there says, "I'll take a, I'll take a crack at it." Right? It's better than what I've got. But like right now, like this is, it's not even buying low. Like you just couldn't even get any. You couldn't get anything close to a good return for him at this point. So you've just got to cross your fingers and pray that as he works his way back, that you look in three weeks to a month from now, he is a lot more like the guy they had last year than this version because this year's version has been pitiful. I um, wrote about this on Monday about the concerns about KP. I wrote about it last year. I wrote about it at the time of the Knicks trade. I have serious concerns and this is, you know, I love KP. I love KP in 2014, the year he pulled his name out of the draft when Oklahoma city wanted him. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I wrote about for Celtics blog at the time, like who is Kristaps Porzingis, you know, put on my draft guide scattering report. It was like, Hey, I want the Celtics to draft this guy, high upside player, a little risky, but go for it. Pull his name out, becomes a top five pick goes to the Knicks and he shines. He became you know, the player Knicks fans, unicorn. He, he became a unicorn. He became a player that made Knicks fans feel hope for the first time in a long time, which is why that trade was so painful. But unless a player can stay available, unless a player can stay healthy, unless a player can, can stay at their near peak level, which he hasn't shown that he can do ever in his career, even the year he started out with the Knicks averaging 30 points per game over the first 10, 15 games. And that was the unicorn year, I think. He fizzled. But you he hold fizzled. on, Kev. You had talked yourself into it because if you go back and listen to our season preview, you were really high on the Mavs. For and sure. I, and I kept fighting you and saying, like, this guy does not stay healthy. You're right. Like he You're has right. to be, he has to be I'm it was just it was just a hedge against him. I don't know. I think it's <laughs> look, the history of seven foot three guys playing basketball is not great. You know, especially guys that are athletic, you know, guys, not just like trees that stand in front of the basket. It's even though even the trees, it's hard to have long careers.
I'll be honest with you, Chris. Like I think with my Dallas projection ahead of the season, I expected KP to still be better than this. Mm. I expected Josh Richardson to be more like the Miami version. He has not. He's been worse than the Philly version. Dorian Finney-Smith, it looks like his 37% from three last year may be an outlier. He's back down to his career level, uh, career averages. Other guys in that team are falling below what they did last year. This entire roster, almost all of them are underwhelming. And, you know, I think a lot of Mavericks fans will contribute that to the fact that they I believe they've had the most games missed due to the COVID protocols. Uh, I might be wrong about that, but they're near the top of the league, at least that plays a factor. But I don't think it plays as much of a factor in the fact that there's something fundamentally fundamentally wrong with this team, whether that's leadership with Luca, whether that's just the encore product or whether it's something with coaching and Rick Carlisle's voice not resonating in the same way that it has in the past. Whatever it might be, there's something seriously wrong that needs to be addressed well, with the Dallas my buddy, Mavericks. My buddy Tim McMahon, I I, uh, I listened to him on with uh, Zach Lowe, and I thought this was mega fascinating, Kev. He talked about, and this is something that somebody like Tim, who's around that all the time and really covers that team, would know that I wouldn't necessarily... Uh, that I wouldn't be privy to. And he talked about how they made a choice in that offseason that they kept pushing this leadership role on Luca, that this is going to be the guy. Rick Carlisle talked about it a lot. But that, and this was what was fascinating. He said Berea was, he was the veteran. He was the steadying voice. He was Luca's Yoda, as it were. <laughs> Right. For that team. And he's not just saying that because he's short, but yeah. he was like, he, it was almost like the team conscience, right? There's he's a reason. That, it, well, yeah, maybe baby Yoda. There's a reason that like, you know, Udonis Haslam does not necessarily contribute on the court at all for the Miami Heat, but they still got him around. Right. And there was a reason that for so many years, JJ Berea, and he was still contributing to that team and, 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 and had an effect on the court for them. But that voice in the locker room, being like that guy, kind of like the, the, the holdover from uh, even the title, uh, you know, that the Mavs won, like this, this guy that was the team's conscience and this, the, the the leader, you wouldn't necessarily expect that to be so with somebody like J.J. Barea, but he thought that that had a, you know, kind of a profound effect. And in the end, you know, players have the impact, you know, you have to have your, your best players on your side and guys that people will follow and guys that people will listen to. And that's one of those things that I don't think, I think that in this world we live in, you just look on paper and you say, ah, well, so what? They got rid of J.J. Barea. They added Wessa Windu. No big whoop. But it it's something that can never be quantified is having that that veteran voice and that guy lost for that no team. And I... I was fascinated by that. I really was because that is, um, I can see how that is so. Because they really don't have like the veteran guys, right? On that no. team. You know, Luca, it's kind of, that's Luca's team now. End of story. And I don't know. 
Like it's one of those minor things that takes place in the grand scheme of the NBA, but Mike could have changed the team dramatically. Your player, so Dallas on their roster, there are players who are older than 28. Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Boban, and James Johnson. Those wow. are their four guys all older right. than 28 years old. And ultimately, none of those guys are necessarily that, you know, That's right. vocal leader type. Um, you know, they don't have their Haslam. They don't have their Berea. And I, and I wonder how that's an unquantifiable, you know, right. variable that we don't know how much of a difference that makes. Taking you always that pressure. need the vets. You just do. Because mm-hmm. they teach everybody else how to. Uh, guys that are young in the league, they don't know. Right. So b- when they take that first crushing loss, you know, they, they need somebody saying, don't get too high. Don't get too low. We've got another game in 24 hours. All of this can change at the drop of a hat, right? Um, don't get too frustrated, whatever it may be. Just let it go with the refs. Like somebody that's not getting the calls that night, somebody to just go over to the bench yeah. and be there and say, look, man, like th- this ain't it, right? Like, I mean, you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't let them get to you like they're getting to you tonight. But, but like we talked about, though, that wouldn't change the fact that you have a team with KP who's struggling that's, right. that's last in three point percentage. Luca, who needs to be better on defense and so on and so forth. As we've hit the last couple of weeks and today that wouldn't change everything, but it would make a difference. And, you know, bottom line is I have pressed the panic button with Dallas and it's clearly time for them to evaluate what changes need to be made to, to maximize this roster around Luca. All right. So this week I watched the void. Very good video. You. you did on Thank you. Lou Dort, the hard stopper. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, with that in mind and what you guys are doing with Ringer University, one of the things you guys do with Ringer University is highlight young players um, that maybe aren't always the topic of conversation, much like Lou Dort. It's not going to be the topic of conversation on NBA shows that you hear about a lot. So what we want to do this week is try to highlight three guys each that are not getting the acknowledgement necessarily. They're not mm. part of the national conversation all the time, but you, but we think that they deserve to get a little shine for what they've done so far this season. I'm going to start off with an older guy because right. typically on Ringer NBA University, which will be out again next Wednesday, I look forward to, to doing that next week, um, we focus on younger guys. So let's take advantage of having an older guy here. No rule limits, no age limits. Thaddeus Young, Chris. Oh! Thaddeus Young, he's averaging a career high. 4.3 assists per game at age 32 up from only 1.7 throughout his career. Cause Chicago is using him more in positions to facilitate. I know Nikias Duncan from basketballnews.com had a great Twitter thread about this recently where he talked about Thaddeus young being used in more dribble handoff situations that gets him in positions like a bam, you know, to play make for his team in the half court, brings the ball up the court a little bit. And it's fun watching Chicago play through Thaddeus Young at time. And it feels like his ideal role. It's fun to watch him have a arguably a career best season at age 32. And I just wanted to highlight that because when we oh, talk about bowls, this- it's it's never about Thaddeus Young. Yeah. We didn't even talk about this, and you probably don't know this, but this is this is a subject close to my heart. I love Thaddeus Young. Thaddy Thaddeus Young's a Memphis kid. His wife owns a beauty shop, like maybe a couple oh, wow. miles, a couple miles from my house. <laughs> like during the, during the summer, you see Thaddeus Young out at his kids' games I did not know that. around wow. town. I saw uh, the first time I saw Thaddeus Young 
one of the best high school players I've ever seen. I mean, I've been watching him since, since high school. He's a Memphis I had, kid. I had no idea. Yeah, to- <laughs> yeah he is. Totally ingrained oh, in the community. Wow. So, I mean, like, yeah. He, um, uh, yeah, his wife owns like a oh, like a, yeah. a spa and beauty shop called Forever Young. Okay, uh, in I, town. I see he went to to Mitchell, Mitchell High School, High School. In, in Memphis, yes. Tennessee. Okay, wow, that's funny. All, all the times I've been on his basketball reference page, I've that's never right. glanced at Born, New Orleans, Louisiana High School, Mitchell, in Memphis. <laughs> this is hilarious too. So you know, I am a a big collector of yeah. sports memorabilia. This is true story. There's two, I got two, every once in a while, if I'm bored at night, I'll go search through eBay and see what kind of auctions there are for like bobbleheads. And I see if there's bobbleheads that I want to get. I got a Brooklyn Nets fatiator (laughs) bobblehead. And it's Thaddeus Young. Yes. It's Thaddeus Young in like the gladiator outfit with a sword and the gladiator outfit. And it says... The Thadinator or whatever. <laughs> I, hey, and the other one I got was Ben Wallace holding up a trophy, but the bobblehead has the real fro. Like it has real hair on it that pops out. Those are the two that I got. My, two of my most recent purchases on eBay. That is funny, man. Thadiator. Uh, I, I just I just looked up the Thaddeus Young bobblehead you did? on eBay. Yeah, 25 Amazing. bucks. It's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't pay 25 bucks for it, by the way. <laughs> I, I want it in like an auction. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, that's like a, a, a buy it buy it now buy it or now. best offer. Yeah. Offer them 10 bucks. Maybe you'll get it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's a amazing. great bobblehead. That's cool. I hope he has one of those. I am actually going to go with the veteran, too. And this is okay. a guy that has spent his entire career not getting the acknowledgement that he deserves. And that is Mike Conley. He has this year, but you know, last year was a real struggle for Conley in Utah, like kind of finding his way within the context of that team. And that team never really got it going until the bubble. And that's when they were without Bogdanovich that they kind of hit a stride. And of course he missed a three at the buzzer that, you know, it changed the plight of both Utah and Denver. Uh, as history will tell it, he came back. He missed that three at the buzzer. He came back this year, and he is never going to be a guy that you see on highlights that get passed around every night via social media. That's not that's not what he does. He doesn't have highlight games unless you hit a game winner. You're probably not going to see Mike Conley highlights. He is leading in terms of guys that have played minutes. He is leading the entire NBA in net rating. Kevin, they are. Plus 16 and a half with Mike Conley on the court this year. I mean, that is crazy. That is a crazy number. And he's figured out a way to be awesome in conjunction with Gobert. He's figured out a way to be awesome in conjunction with Donovan Mitchell and the rest of that team. Um, They are scoring 116 points per 100 possessions with him on the court. They are giving up 99 points. With him, that's wild uh, on the court, and so this is a guy that's like that is affecting winning, and he's never a guy that's going to get a lot of shine. He's never a lot of guy. I spent the last fifteen years, you know, whatever, rooting for the guy, um, and last year was just not a great representation of what he is. But that's a guy that came back this year at his age with his contract, and he is having probably his 
one of his best seasons ever. If not the best. Yes. You know, I mean, I mean, we'll see how the year continues to develop, playoff run and all that, but it's it's a remarkable season for him. And to add on to your point about the net rating stat, I just looked this up as you were saying it on PB pbpstats.com you can look at you know how the team performs with like Mitchell and Conley or Mitchell or just Mitchell without yep. Conley the team is you know only plus 1 with Mitchell on the court without Conley with mm. Conley on the court without Mitchell still plus 16 points per 100 possessions as you just said the same stat so like that puts into perspective how important he has been in situations when Mitchell has been off the court to help elevate that team against some bench units, against some starting units, depending on how the other team's rotation looks. And you know what, man? Like, I've been blown away by his play this season because, like, last year, remember the lack of chemistry with Rudy Gobert? That's right. How he couldn't throw a lob. And he sort of acknowledged the fact that, hey, like, I've never had to throw a lob to Marcus Saul. I'm not used to this. And he has gotten so good with that. Like with the Lou Dort video we did this week for the void, the 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 followers on you know on YouTube, the YouTube channel, and then on Twitter, people who you know follow the Ringer NBA page voted on that. The other choices were a Ben Simmons video about you know how he's his offense has changed this season, and then the other one was about Mike Conley getting back on track. So maybe in the coming weeks, I'd love to do a Mike Conley video because he deserves that attention for coming back from a down season. Yeah. And it did having, not have the uh, the, 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 the these, impact yeah. that we thought it would last year. You know what I mean? That was it it wasn't easy. The the fit wasn't easy, but no. that is clearly uh an example of now we get the the bigger the sample size gets, the more comfortable you get and that is the player that they attained. Right. The, this Mike Conley is the one that they wanted um, that they thought could really take them to a different level. And it didn't happen last year, but this year they are at a different level. That team is awesome. They really mm-hmm. are, Kev. They, they are. are really good. They are. I think they, I, I don't think they're on the same level as Lakers and Clippers, but that doesn't mean that they can't have a chance. Sure. To make a strong not- run, if not an upset, you know? They're they're a great, well-rounded team with no right. weak links. Who's, who's your second guy that deserves shine? You know, I had Larry Nance on my lists, but we give him shine yeah. all the time. So you come <laughs> I'm on, you talk I'm about him every week. Nance. Uh, I want I wanted to mention one guy you mentioned in passing earlier this week. One of your Memphis Grizzlies, Desmond Bain. I think oh. Desmond Bain leading the NBA in three point percentage as a rookie is a really impressive feat. And it's not like all of his three pointers are like just standstill catching shoots in the three, you know, in the corner, he's moving around, coming off some screens and handoffs. That's such a great job relocating, depending on how the rest of the court is shifting, depending on the action. He's such a smart player. And it's sort of like, you know, Halliburton-esque in the sense that it's very rare. You have a rookie come in with his level of feel and intelligence to read the game and understand the game. And I'm just very, very impressed by Desmond Bain. And in, in many ways, he's like everything like draft Twitter thought he would be like, he was one of draft yep. Twitter's favorites. And yet the Grizzlies landed him second year in a row. Brandon Clark was that guy last year. Grizzlies got him. Desmond Bain was that guy. People love this year. The Grizzlies got him and he is shining. It's just been a lot of fun to watch Desmond Bain tied his career <laughs> high again last night. Um, oh yeah. And so I was there. 
And look, that for, for people that were not watching Houston-Memphis last night, that final score is 12. Houston could have beaten them by 30 if they kept the pedal down. I mean, that is not a that is one of those games that if you saw that game, you realize that score is not indicative of what that game was. Houston beat the shit out of them last night. And I was super impressed. That's the first time I've gotten to see Houston in person this year. We've talked about the defense. Um, they are so active. They are really on a string. And that it, it is. Steven Silas deserves such a massive amount of credit because that team is literally just thrown together pieces. Like they have no, there's no reason that they should have the chemistry that they play with, but they do. It's just kind of like this island of misfit toys that is thrown together. Um, and to get them to play as they do on offense and defense is super impressive. The Harden trade has unlocked a different Eric Gordon. Like, that is a different guy than what we had seen prior to. And I think I read last night he was shooting like 29% from three prior to the Harden deal, and he's over 40% since, and he's playmaking. Christian Wood, first time to get to see him in a Rockets uniform. Now, I'll tell you this, I, I don't know if there's a report yet out about him, but he was he was really hurt. That angle last under night. did not look good. No, it was bad. And he he tried to, I don't know if TV cameras caught it, but he tried to get up and like walk and just could not. He had to have Man. guys helping him and then had to have him had get help all the way back to going to the locker room. And he it's had awful. 17 and seven in like 20 minutes. He was awesome while He's he was so out good. there. Um, and it was just crushing to see him hobble back to the locker room. But it, he was in, that was not like I just twisted my ankle. He was in real pain. And so I'm crossing my fingers for them and him. Uh, but anyways, at, at that game, you mentioned Bain and I, and I, and I talked about the, the career high. It's the other guy, and now that I got to see him in person, now I've really got to give him shine. I'll tell you this, Kev. This Jay Sean Tate is a yeah, player. Let's this go. guy, this guy is a real player now. It's not just <laughs> beginning of the season. Who the hell is this guy? Like, he's kind of he, he's he's tenacious. He he can knock down shots from the outside. He He's always, like, he just is in the mix so often. And it's so funny because this morning, this is why I really have to give him shine. This morning, now, of course, the game was over so late, I got home. And I said, uh, my, my son came in as he was getting ready for school. And I was like, boy, that was a butt-kicking, huh? <laughs> and he goes, Jay Sean Tate? <laughs> My son's 11. He's watching yeah. the game last night. And he was like, what about this guy? And I was like, yo, William, he is, that's a real player, you know? And I love, love, love stories like this. 25 years old, go, he's playing in the Australian League with the Sydney Kings last year. And what a find for Houston and it's not just, I, I really don't think this is just a flash in the pan. It is very, you know, I, I don't want to get too extreme because Christian Wood probably on the extreme, but it is Christian Woodish in the sense that wasn't highly, you know, regarded and had to work his way 
to the point he is at right now. But he's a good fit on that team in a in a league that you know cherishes wings. Um, to have a guy just work his way up at age twenty five, playing in Australia, then make this transition to the NBA and come in NBA games and like be extremely impactful. This guy, what a story! What a story! So on uh, the answer on the Ringer NBA show feed, Chris Ryan invited me on this week. Yeah, I, I cheated. I cheated on one Chris. Yeah, with Chris Ryan, <laughs> and uh, we uh, talked about defense on the pod. Which, by the way, like it was a great conversation with Chris, and I look forward to listening to it after we record. But um, we talked about defense, and I went on a long rant about just how much I love Jay Sean Tate. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> so it's great that yeah, <laughs> that perfect. we're talking about it here. Like we didn't know that we talked about defense at all, but like. Tate is, I think, if not the best help defender in the NBA, one of the best help defenders in the NBA. And that's as a 25-year-old rookie who one year ago was playing with the Sydney Kings. It's a remarkable story. Crazy. And I, I just love watching him play basketball. I do. He just brings that energy that's contagious and inspires your team and inspires you sitting sitting on your couch at home, you know, thinking like, damn, this guy's no, as I was watching him <laughs> last night, because uh, it's the first time I got to see him up close, I was like, I was like, damn, man, this guy is like <laughs> legit good. Yeah. Like this isn't like some flash in the pan, you know, and we were like, remember that guy, Jay Sean Tate, that played good for a couple months? Like, yeah, yeah. he's a legit good player. Um he's gonna stick too. He is. He is he gonna shoot, stick. He can defend. He he just brings that spark off your bench or in your starting yep. unit. Um that it just, it, it's like we talked about earlier, like the unquantifiable variables. Well, and it's always the guys like that, that impact winning that yes. they, people are going to talk about wall. They're going to talk about uh, Christian Wood. They're going to talk about Gordon and his resurgence. And then there's PJ this Tucker. other, the, yeah, PJ Tucker. And then there's this other guy, mm -hmm. right? That is really so having good. a profound effect on what they've been able to do. You always look for. How are they doing this? How do you just throw a team together? And you got to have guys like that, you know, in order to pull it off. That's why you're better than what you should be when people just look at your roster. I was impressed. I was impressed, especially impressed with how Silas has got them playing. All right, last one. Can I take the inverse approach? We've had a couple uh, positive conversations and some players we like the way they're performing. I want to talk about specifically Mo Bamba and the Orlando Magic. <laughs> okay. I don't understand a team investing the number six pick in the draft and any player, forget about Mo Bamba and any player in the draft. And then when you're losing games and you're eight and 14 and your season like it's not promising. Even if you make the play in tournament, I'm sorry, Orlando, you're not going very far when your season is all about looking forward and Mo Bama is not getting any minutes at all. You're not investing minutes in him a year before he's going to hit free agency. And you got to know, do, is this a guy we want to keep? Is this somebody who's part of our future? They're doing nothing to facilitate his development with on court opportunity. When this past season, he showed some flashes as a shot blocker, showed some flashes as a three-point shooter. When he's been on the court in some garbage time situations this year, I've watched those to look back because I I loved Mo Bamba in the draft. And so far, I look dumb with him. But I've watched and I'm like, damn, dude, like I don't feel like he looks awful. I don't think he looks awful when I see him out there on the court. When people talk about the effort, 
I see him hustling. I see him boxing out. I see him rotating and staying alert on the court. And it's like, how is this guy not getting minutes ahead of Kim Birch? Who Kim Birch, by the way, Kim Birch is a quality rotation player. He is, and he deserves to have a role on a team. But for Orlando, you got to balance trying to win now with on-court development. And there are some teams like the Toronto Raptors and like the San Antonio Spurs that are better at that than really anybody at balancing the two. Orlando, I don't understand what's happening here. And I've seen a lot of, a lot of Magic fans tweeting about this recently. Like, how are you not facilitating developmental opportunities to a guy you invested the number oh, this is the six thing. pick in the draft to? It blows my mind. That's what I was going to ask you. I wonder, uh, media and fans of the Orlando Magic, how they feel about this. Is this a thing? This is a well, thing so that it, he's not. This week, this week, it's been a big thing. Okay. Josh Robbins posted a story um, about, you know, Steve Clifford saying, you know, we're just playing the guys that we think are going to help us win now. And I, and I read all the comments in, in that article of like magic fans saying, this is stupid. <laughs> we got to see what this guy has. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. I'm glad magic fans are saying that. Cause like, even if Mo Bama is a bust, I want to see him be a bust getting 15, 20 minutes per game. Yes, like, let's let him, uh, let's yeah, see like, what give happens. It, give him regular minutes and let's see. And then you can, then he has sit him. Then, okay, we saw him. It wasn't, it wasn't what we thought it could be. And you, you are rightfully not playing him, but in the absence of that, I mean, like you do what he did, not seeing what he can be or what he is. We don't even know. Like, seriously, he's never... Has, what is he averaging? Has, has he ever averaged <laughs> 10 minutes? Yeah, so he so last season, he did average over 10 minutes. Last he year, did. he averaged in 62 games, 14 minutes per game. As 14. a rookie, 60 minutes per game. But even then, I it's mean, down, he's yeah. dealt with injuries. Yeah. He had COVID last year, came back right. from that. He has some nagging injuries. Right now, he's healthy. Let's see the guy you invested the number six pick in the draft in that suffered multiple injuries over the years. And let's see what he looks like when he's actually healthy right now. I just, I don't, I don't get it. It's, it's frustrating, you know, from like a developmental standpoint that you see a team doing this with a guy that was drafted sixth. I just fail to understand how Steve Clifford's not playing him at all. All right. The last one for me that uh, a guy that I think deserves some shine is San Antonio has got a bunch of these like young guys that are all like they, they've got they've got a weird roster because they've got DeMar DeRozan and they've got I know where La, LaMarcus Aldridge <laughs> uh, but then they've got you know Lonnie Walker they got DeJounte Murray and they got Derek White and they got whatever the one I love is Keldon Johnson yeah baby he's the I one I knew it <laughs> he's the one this guy is a dog like I really like I he's when Johnson. I watch them I sit there and go give me that dude like, give me Place. that. Like, he's there. Mm. Yes. He Ferocious. plays hard as, yeah. he plays hard as hell. He rebounds like crazy. Seven a game. I think he's average. Yes. Seven rebounds a game. That's just a guy that gets in the mix. And he's kind of got that, like, I don't know. Like, uh, like he plays angry, you know, sometimes he's not there for like the, the smiling and having fun. Like yeah. he's there to go <laughs> for a fight. And um, I saw him for the first time. He really, because he didn't have that that great of a college career at all at, at Kentucky. He was he was kind of an afterthought guy there. And I remember seeing him in the Salt Lake City summer league. They played in the Utah summer league 
a couple of years ago. It was the first time I saw him, and I thought, boy, they they might have found something in this guy. Like he just. He clearly was better than his competition there. He looked like one. If you watch the game, you thought he was one of the best guys on the court. And then he had like a pretty good rookie year last year. But like this is year two. And you see already a guy that can get you 15 points, get you seven rebounds, some nights even bigger. And it's just year two. And and to be that young, like those are the kind of guys. I I love those kind of guys. And he's strong as an ox too. Like he's he's gonna be a he's a real one. Like they've got a lot of young guys in that range of like their first four, five, six years in the league. He's the one that I would pick out and say, this guy could this guy could be even more. Like I could look up at Keldon Johnson's like a big time player in three, four years. So I didn't have Keldon Johnson on my list because I had him in my article earlier yep. in the week. I was like, yeah, I wrote about him. I'm not gonna talk about him again on the pod, but Keldon Johnson, I had a line in that article comparing his drives to the rim. For anybody who's seen the movie Old Boy, it's like a South Korean action (laughs) thriller movie. There's a scene in that movie, a classic, like a three-minute uncut scene where the main character, Daisu, comes out of an elevator and just like fights his way through an entire hallway of bad guys. Just just fights his way (laughs) through a hallway. It's like a realistic scene because like, you know, guys are just getting tired. It's not just like some cheesy scene. And the way Keldon Johnson drives to the rim with that relentless attitude and just really like a, 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 a almost a carelessness in a way, like where he's like, I'm not worried about what's going to happen when I fall here because I'm going to score no matter what it takes. He has no fear of going to the basket. And it's just a heck of a lot of fun to watch him play. Like not only is he putting up numbers, not only is he playing great defense, but he is just a straight up fun player to yes. watch play the game of basketball and I want a number I, of those guys. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a stock I would want because yeah. I could see that is the type of guy when you see that kind of tenacity usually that is indicative of what kind of kid you've got off the court and those are the ones that are going to work 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 work. He's and, a great kid. Great and you, kid. And you yeah. look up in two three years and he's taken the huge leap to becoming a different guy. Because this is just year two. He's still really young, man. Like, you could look up in a couple of years, and this guy is, he's hes a big-time player. Yeah. I, I can mean, see it, him taking a leap. It, it wouldn't, it wouldn't you know, be a total shocker, necessarily. No. It depends on, like, what level his jumper reaps, uh, uh, like reaches. But, like, ultimately, with Keldon Johnson, he's a good player to invest in, whether it's cards or NBA top shots. There you, you go. Know? There yeah, you go. I have to check out to see if there's any top shots of Keldon Johnson. They better have a good dunk are. of him. Eh, not a bad idea, yeah, right? Let me, let me check. All right. Uh, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Uh, thanks to producer Sasha, as always. And we will talk to you next Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.